from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for Jersey Jump Shot Season 3, the tip-off to our new season, and we are back to talk college hoops in the state of New Jersey, and we are starting off with a special edition episode to get our season started. We are previewing the big matchup between Seton Hall and Rutgers. The rivalry is back and we are looking forward to this game coming up on Sunday. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson. Guys, another season upon us. The uh, the big showdown at the Rock happening on Sunday. Seton Hall 7-1, and one, Rutgers 4-4. Four and four. We are happy to have this rivalry back. We have two great interviews that we will play for you in this episode. Uh, we'll talk about the matchup. We'll preview the teams. So let's get right into it, Jerry. We have Seton Hall 7-1, and one, 23 25 ranked, depending on where you check. Uh, a strong start for the Pirates as they get ready for what is a tough week. We'll get more into that at the end of the show. But a, a tough week coming up for the Pirates, uh, concluding on Sunday with the game against Rutgers. Let's just say this first. It's great to have this rivalry game back. The Garden State Hardwood Classic nearly com- completely fell off the map. Uh, it was it was salvaged thanks to some negotiations. It was some difficult moments where they didn't know where the game was going to be played or if it was even going to continue. It was not a foregone conclusion that it would be salvaged after the pandemic scuttled the 2020 game. So let's, it's great to have it back. Seton Hall's in really good position. I think they're, they're, as, they're as good or better than anyone thought they'd be. Seton Hall brought in, really raided the transfer portal, brought in a lot of new players. Brought up some players who were injured or, or sat out most of last season with a lot of new guys. It could it could go a lot of different ways. It could take time to mesh. The verdict on Seton Hall's been it's meshing well. They won a game at Michigan, which was ranked fourth at the time, legitimizing win. Their only loss at the buzzer to Ohio State, which beat number one Duke. So this team is good and appears to be on track for the NCAA tournament. We'll find out more in the coming days. And on the other side, this Rutgers team, uh, a little bit of a slow start for the Scarlet Knights, Chris. They're 4-4 four and four to start the season. Uh, really not the ideal start for Rutgers, but a big week ahead for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, look, obviously, you know, coming into the season, there were high expectations for Rutgers. And, and Steve Peichel certainly didn't shy away from them. He was saying that this is the best team that he, you know, he might have ever had. They lost, obviously, some big pieces last, after last season in Miles Johnson, who's now at UCLA, uh, Jacob Young, who transferred to Oregon. So they had some big pieces to replace, but they brought in um, some some solid additions and guys like Andre Hyatt um, and, and Ralph A.G. Gonzalez. And, and obviously they just haven't played to the level that they expected to. And, and losing three games to uh, DePaul, uh, Lafayette, um, and, and just uh, – it's just it's been it's been really yeah it's been bad. I mean they they've gotten off to a, ter- a really rough start, um, and then they had their best game of the season in a win over Clemson at at Jersey Mike's Arena, which I almost said the rack, but I'll get used to it. Jersey Mike's <laughs> Arena, and everyone it kind of looked like maybe they were starting to get back on track. And then listen, I mean they go on the road to play Illinois, and Illinois is good. You know Illinois is one of the better teams in the Big Ten, and they got walloped. So. You know, we'll see which version shows up this week, but this is a really, really tough stretch of the season for Rutgers. And, and you know, they, they need to get themselves back on track or else things could get ugly. But, you know, we'll see what this week brings. Yeah, Rutgers with number one ranked Purdue on the schedule ahead of Seton Hall and Seton Hall with number seven ranked Texas ahead of Rutgers. So a tough week for both teams. But Steve, to have this game back, this is just such a great 
thing for New Jersey basketball to have these two teams playing once again. We missed it last year. Having it back, it, it's such a nice thing to have in the state. Well, it's it's just another sign of this return to normalcy after last season when, you know, let's face it, at this time, you know, non-conference schedules were decimated. Teams were sitting out some more than a month without a game. You know, now listen, COVID is still having an impact, but it's nothing like it was last year. This is a normal basketball season we've had so far. And I think that's what people were just hungry for. And this game on Sunday is kind of the the centerpiece of that in New Jersey, this kind of return to normalcy. So, and not to mention the fact it's a big game, particularly for Rutgers. So, you know, I I think, I think it's just great to have it back and another sign, you know, that maybe we're turning the corner a little bit. And like I said, programming note, this is a special edition episode to kick off our season of Jersey Jump Shot. Starting January 3rd, we will be coming to you every Monday throughout the rest of the college basketball season, talking Seton Hall and Rutgers. Also, our mid-majors here in the state of New Jersey, because there's some pretty good ones this year. Monmouth is 7-1, Princeton 6-3, so we'll be keeping an eye on them as well. But before we get into that, we have two special interviews that I mentioned to you at the top of the show with one from Seton Hall, one from Rutgers. We get both sides of the rivalry from two guys that were a part of it. And we start first with Seton Hall's Michael Enzi. We had a great interview with him. Jerry caught up with him last week. So let's check in with Michael and Jerry's interview. We're talking Rutgers-Seton Hall basketball. The series has been revived. The rivalry's back. And we're fortunate to have as our guest the great Mike Enzi. Seton Hall fans will know that name. He spent five years in the program, 2014 to 2019. Mike was part of four NCAA tournament teams. Seton Hall went 4-1 and one against Rutgers when he was in the, in, the, in the program. He was a big-time forward, great presence on the team, one of the best all-time ambassadors for Seton Hall basketball and Seton Hall athletics, Big East Scholar Athlete of the Year in 2019. Now kicking butt in the business world. Mike, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Derek, for the invite. Um, it's great to be on the show again, talking to you. Uh, I feel like I miss, I miss those days, you know, catching up with you after the game. Um, it was fun. It was a great time. We're going to relive those days a little bit now, Mike. I know you, you've had some good stories to tell. Let's, let's start off with a general question. You've experienced this game five times, four as a player. Uh, what's it like? How is it different, if at all, from the other games on the schedule? Okay. I mean, just being uh, a former player on the team, I know what that felt like, you know, having bragging rights in the state of New Jersey. You know, CEO players would always and always say, we are the best team in New Jersey. And there's no doubt, and we've proven it year after year. But having friends on the Rockets team make it, make it very hard because these guys would come right back to you and say, no, we are the best team in Jersey. So it was a bragging right thing for me playing, and I felt like you want to be the best team. And when you say you're the best team in Jersey, you want to show it. And so this game helps us to show it on the court that we say we're the best team and we're going to beat whoever's think they're the best team. All right, so your first three years at the school, you were the best team for sure. Uh, the Hall crushed Rutgers the first two years. The third year, Steve Peichel's first year at Rutgers, they come in into the Rock two days before Christmas, and they're beating you guys by, I think, nine it was at halftime. And then you turn the tables 
and wound up winning like by about 10 or so. Any any recollections from that game or the first couple games when you guys won big? Anything that stands out from your time on the court in those first few games? Um, I feel like for for the, the game at the Rock, um, that was actually my first time playing. Um, I believe the first my first experience was being on the bench because I was a red shirt at that time. But I know um, at this time, Kadeem did start that game, if you remember. Kadeem right. and I think it was Desi, they did not start that game. It was And Ish was out that game as well. So I feel like we were down first half because Coach did not go with his normal lineup. Um, so it was just a bunch of um, communication issues among the players. I remember going to the bench a lot of times because I wasn't used – used to playing with the starting unit and asking coach a bunch of questions. And by the second half, I feel like we all figured it out. Um, and th that's what like pretty much helped us like come out victorious in the game. And to think about the stories from that game, I felt like it was actually a really great experience because I just wanted to experience it. I know going into the game, um, there was a lot of stuff on Twitter back and forth between Rockets and Seal Hall of fans. Course it was. <laughs> and we as players, we see this stuff. So we talk amongst ourselves. And I remember Angel tweeting something and Rockets play. I forgot what he was at this point, but I know um Rockets uh, players got pretty mad and the fans got pretty mad and the static going back and forth between Seal Hall and at this point, you know, like everything is at stake. Your pride, you know, and I just know we wanted to come out victorious. Um, actually, that game was my first double double um, of my Seal Hall career. And I give credit to like my teammates, Isaiah Whitehead, Angel Delgado, Desi, Kadeem. We all came out, fought, but pretty hard. Uh, I know it was a victory that we wanted, given. Before the game, we talked a lot about it and talked how much we wanted to win. So I feel like we were able to back it up on the court. All right. next. So next year, you go to Rutgers, you go to the Rack, and you guys have owned this series now. And then right before tip-off, uh, you guys are warming up, and Angel bumps the Scarlet Knight mascot by the foul line. And you guys have a good lead, big double-digit lead. Rutgers roars back to win, finishes the game strong. The arena's going nuts. What was that like, and what were your memories from that game? So at this point, I felt like we we we've proven ourselves during the first year. We beat Rutgers. We went on to be to win the biggest uh, championship. Um, so coming into the year, a lot of questions are like, what are the expectations for this team? We felt like we own New Jersey, so we felt like we were just gonna go in there and take it away from them. Why we didn't know Rutgers was prepared and waiting for us. I remember going to the game and during the warmups. Whenever Rutgers players leave the gym and go back to the locker room, they change the music and they start playing like an old teen song from a movie. So sad. Like players love to warm up to like rap music to get you going, you know, something that pumps you up. But instead, when we warm up, their fans go boo and then they change the music and we all like stop and look and like, what are they doing to the music? So that got everyone pretty mad. And I know, and you know, Angel is a great player that plays a lot with his emotions. So he he just wanted to take it out on everybody. And I feel like for that game, um, we came out really strong. And you got to give Rutgers credit; they were a great team, um, and they fought pretty hard. And actually, when we lost the one, it was one where 
we were disappointed in ourselves as a team and we just knew what was what was at stake at that time we just knew like the only way we could prove we were the best team was just to win the next couple of games and like try to go as far as possible in the biggest now your senior year your post-grad year you're the leader of this team angel and kadeen and those guys have moved on and Rutgers comes back to the to rock they have the trophy you guys yes. sell out crowd you guys win the game by six there's five technical fouls in this game, Mike, and you got one of them, a double tech with Montez Mathis. First technical foul of your college career and one of only two that you ever got. So what are your what are your biggest memories, stories from that game, and what happened with that technical foul? I've been <laughs> so dying I, to ask you this. <laughs> so at this point, you know, Rockers had our trophy because we think the trophy belongs to us. Not that we think we've proven it belongs to us. So – they got it one time. We wanted to take it back. So we wanted to take it back. And funny enough, I have two friends at, on this team at this time. Duke and Omorui were both friends of mine. And Duke would always text me before the game. And he wouldn't stop talking about the game. And he would remind me how they beat us last year. And they had to play this. They had to play loud music and kicked us out of the locker room. And he kept reminding me. And I was just like, okay, "See you guys. See you guys at the proof." That's all I would say back to him. See you at the proof. See you at the proof. So when that game came, we all knew what we had to do. So I went in the game fired up. I, I feel like the same thing. Everybody went in the game fired up. Coach Grant got us really fired up. Was like, hey guys, they're gonna think they're gonna come here and kick you guys. No, let's do what they did to us last year. Let's get our trophy back and send them out of here. So we were all pumped. I remember we were playing that game, and we were up a decent amount. And in the second half, Rockets started making a run. Right. And I remember this, they, they started getting rough. And I'm a player who just loves to play. So at that point, I feel like, you know what? I'm, I have to stand up for myself. So I felt like, when we tried to go for a rebound and the player did a dirty play, and that's when I walked up to him, I was like, hey, don't do that again. And he tried to say something. I was like, nope. If you say something, this is our house. <laughs> and then, you know, you get excited and you're pumped. And then I said a few words to him. The ref cut one of it, and he just gave us both a tech, you know. There you go. All right. That's a question I've been dying to get the answer to. Uh, Mike, after the game, you guys, you know, posed with the boardwalk trophy. What is that like? I mean, you're in the middle of there, the leader of the team, holding the trophy. What is that like holding? It's a thing of beauty, too, the trophy. What's that like holding that for that celebration photo? You know, giving to this award, this award of social media, you know, social media runs the world. And as athletes, you know, back when we were in college, we always promoted ourselves on social media. So I feel like the in-game feeling for me was we wanted to do this. We got it done. We wanted our trophy. We got it back. I'm on a team as the leader of the team. A lot of people doubted this team. And now we are doing things that people didn't think we were going to do. Like, like you already know, we lost the biggest part of our team. We lost Desi. We lost Kadeem. We lost Angel. So everybody, the question was like, what would these guys do without the three who were key members of the team? So did Rockets fans. They were all like, okay, they lost their guys. So let's see. We could go there and take you back from them, you know? Um, so for me, it was a great feeling as a leader of the team. Like, hey, this is one that I really wanted, and I got it done. And talking about social media, 
I couldn't stand the post from last year's Rockets team that beat us, you know, like the previous year that beat us. Right. My friend posted a picture, tagged me in it, so I saw it and said, they run New Jersey. <laughs> so <laughs> so I put this year I want to pay back. So I put the same picture up and I was like, we run New Jersey, <laughs> you know. So it was a good feeling for me on both ends, on the court and off the court. You got the last word in there, Mike, because that was it. Yes. And now now you're an alum. And what's it like as an alum to see this series come back after a year off? I know you kind of – everybody kind of missed it. Funny enough, at my job, on my team, on the team that I work with currently, we have a Rockets alumni. alumni. Uh -huh. And one of our clients who my team covers is a Rockets alumni as well. I did not talk about this game. I did not bring it up. <laughs> they sent a message to me. Hey, guys, we will be playing you. Good luck. And I was like, what do you guys mean? Good and like, can't wait to beat you guys. And I, I'm a pirate for life. I have to stand up and defend myself. I was like, I cannot remember the last time Rockets beat us. <laughs> perfect. That's a perfect tell. And the guy was there. like, Good you job. make it bet. I was like, I'm not going to make a bet with you because I don't want to take your money. I don't want to take what a stick. What I'll do to you is I'll bring you guys to the game. I will watch my team beat your team, and then I'll laugh at you guys. That And we, now we have five people from my team coming to watch the game. Two is a Rockets fan. I'm a senior hall guy. And the other two did not go to senior hall, but they just want to be present just to see because these guys have talked about it a lot. And I'm a pirate. I would not back down. So I'm like, you know what? I'll bring you guys so you guys could watch my team beat their team. Mike, I can't. How can you th not end with that? I mean, you can't top that as a finale. And I thank you so much. Mike Enzi, one of the great ambassadors for Seton Hall basketball, a guy who, who was essential in some of the classic Rutgers-Seton Hall battles on this great return of the rivalry. Thanks so much, Mike. I will seek you just, out and your just, friends courtside at the Rock. Just one more thing I wanted to say. Um, I don't know if you know already, um, a few Seahawks alumni, um, just for the unity of this game, I feel like this go game goes way beyond, you know, just bragging rights. I think it's great for New Jersey basketball as a whole. Um, I think it's great for the, for the alumni network. I've been able to connect with a lot of people just by, I went to Rutgers, I went to Seahawks. I don't like Rutgers and we laugh over it and talk over it. And I just wanted to flag a bunch of Seal Hall alumni. They're organizing a um, banquet. Um, it's I think it's being advertised. It's going to be on social, my social media as well. Um, if you could just help, um, like tell the people, you know, get your tickets, come support your team. You know, it'll be a great time. December tenth in Nutley, uh, yes. we're having a Rutgers Seton Hall banquet to celebrate the return of the rivalry. Mike and I are both panelists. And so are a bunch of other uh, alums and former greats and some media members, December 10th in Nutley. So that will be a tremendous event, too. So we'll see you there, Mike, and I'll see you courtside as well. And I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you, Joe. Jerry, that was great to hear from him. I, I love how the rivalry extends into the, the corporate world, the business world now for Michael as he, uh, he talks trash with some of his coworkers. <laughs> it is amazing. And like, what further proof do you need of the passions that run on both sides of this rivalry than, than Mike Enzi having coworkers challenge him about the game? And he doesn't want to take their money. He doesn't want to take their money. So <laughs> he'll just take him to the game instead. No wagers. 
because he feels like he knows what the outcome is going to be. It was really fun. And that's what this is all about. And our thanks to Michael, of course, for joining the show. And we had to get both sides of the rivalry. So Jerry also caught up last week with Austin Johnson, the representative from Rutgers. He played back in the Big East days of this rivalry. Let's check in with Austin. We're talking Rutgers Seton Hall series, the return of this classic rivalry. We're celebrating it by talking to some players who played in the game. And I have someone with me now who Rutgers fans will recognize very well. He played in the final years of the Rutgers Seton Hall Big East part of the series. And man, were there some classics. Austin Johnson, Rutgers Center, Blair Academy, of course, and uh, man the middle for some of those crazy contests. Uh, you know him now, probably. I mean, surely, certainly know him as as the uh, the radio analyst for Rutgers basketball. He's in his first year doing that, doing a fantastic job paired with Jerry Recco. Uh, Austin has gone on to good things uh, with Moody's Analytics, a powerhouse financial firm. He's in fintech sales with them, and man, the guy's been a success. And he left the the Rutgers Seton Hall series after nine games. He played in nine games. They play twice a year and once in the Big East tournament. He left with a 5-4 and four record, a winning record versus the Pirates. So, Austin, welcome aboard. Thank you for reminiscing with us. Absolutely, Jerry. Happy to be here, obviously. You know I got a lot of love and respect for you, so I appreciate you. And uh, happy to be able to talk about this great rivalry. Let's start with this question. Uh, you, know, you played in a lot of big games, obviously, over the years. But, but what was different about playing in the Rutgers-Seton Hall game than the others? It's just that Jersey uh, basketball rivalry. Uh, you grow up playing either in the same organizations at, from a grassroots age uh, all the way up through the AAU age when you start to get recruited for scholarship opportunities. Um, Jordan Theodore, Fuquan, Fuquan Edwin, uh, Jeff Robinson, you know, these were guys that we were competing against back, you know, in the team uh, camp next and a uh, ABCD camp days. And then you play with or against them for the players basketball club organization, which was the AAU team that I played for guys like miles Mack, Derek Randall, Eli Carter. Um, we all played against, you know, these individuals um, in some capacity or another at team camp. So, you know, exactly who they are. And then it's just magnified once you get to Rutgers, the two teams couldn't be any more different. You know, the Scarlet Knights uh, wear red Seton Hall with the pirate blue uh, and they're very, very adamant and uh, really, really have a lot of uh, love uh, for their individual program, as do we. Um, so growing up playing with uh, the players in the grassroots AAU team, uh, scene uh, on the same AAU organizations, once you see them on the opposite side of the, the court, all you want to do is find ways to, to beat them for bragging rights. All right, let's go over some of these classic games, and then I'll ask you if there's any other, any other good insider stories you got. Your freshman <laughs> year at the rack, okay? Jeff Robinson checks Hamidi Njai. He rolls off the court. Njai comes storming back at him like a runaway train. People got to get in the way. Technical fouls left and right. Kirk Hope <laughs> running around, waving his arms. And then there was craziness in the postgame handshake line. What do you remember from that game? <laughs> I think we were just an era that grew up, honestly, watching too much wrestling because we had a flair for the dramatic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Kids in New Jersey, whenever they come to the rack or we would go play at Seton Hall, they always upped it a level with the dramatics. And it was it was crazy. You know, there were definitely some nudges and some elbows and some below the belt things that happened. But what I do remember vividly, we lost that game, right? Yeah, so lost by 10. Yeah, it was a close game. So, at the very end. 
you you've been in a, the rack locker room, so you know that the opposing team's locker room is literally on the opposite side of the shower. And all I remember is it was crazy pandemonium. We lose the game. We go in there. Everybody's completely dead silent. Heads are down. Freddie Hill comes in. Coach Savino comes in. And all you hear is the Seton Hall players start banging on the walls and yelling at the top of their, their lungs, get it, Bobby. Get it. They were basically hyping up Bobby Gonzalez because they were so excited because they got the victory, man. So that was one thing that was cemented in my mind is um, those guys were able to walk around, uh, walk out of that, that game with the victory, and they let us hear it. And uh, that just made us hungrier to make sure that we weren't in that predicament All going right. forward. We want to win from that point on. You mentioned uh, below-the-belt stuff. Uh, there was a Seton Hall player of that era known for uh, maybe punching a player or two below the belt. That's what really <laughs> went on in your games, too? I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> exactly who it happened to, but I will say it definitely did happen. Uh, all the extracurriculars only added to the allure of the rivalry. Um, and to, to, to exactly what I said, uh, I, I was uh, definitely conditioned by a great senior in Hamade who's been through those battles before with the likes of the J.R. Edmonds and some of the guys previously who were, you know, in those wars. And that only carried over to our games. And um, Herb Pope, uh, as a big, going up against that guy every time you had to match up with Sin Hall was a, a tall task. And he was a hell of a player, but even more so, uh, he was going to let you feel it each possession. So, um, you know, I look back and I have some vivid, uh, crazy one-on-one matchups with him and and some of the other guys that uh, played uh, either the four and five position for the Pirates. All right, we got a good picture that you'll see next week of you and Herb. You got the ball, and you're giving Herb a pretty sharp elbow, holding him off. He looks like he's a little stunned. So let's see that. <laughs> let's just right into what you're saying. All right. Let's go to 2012 now, your junior year. A couple of epic games here take place. Uh, first at the rack, there's a triple technical that gets called with three minutes left in like a one-point game. Again, Herb Pope uh, in the center of the circus. He leans over and he headbutts Eli Carter. And – it doesn't get ejected. <laughs> Does not get ejected by Jim Burr. So what do you remember from I remember that? that? I remember that. I, I I was on the bench, I believe, when it, when it all transpired. And, uh, I mean, Eli was having a, a hell of a, a scoring, um, like a consecutive scoring outputs during that time in his Rutgers career. Uh, so I would imagine that Seton Hall was finding ways to, to focus in on on containing him and his output. And once that happened, I think that up until that point, I was up in my own head trying to figure out what I was doing as an individual player. And that's the type of thing that'll that'll ground you and bring you back collectively as a team and as an organization. Fans were up in ruckus, letting everybody feel exactly what they thought about the call. And you know what Herb Pope does in those in those instances. He <laughs> he 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 welcomes it. He 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 has everybody basically uh, you know, right in the palm of his hand because, you know, that's the type of thing that he flourishes off of. He takes on that role of, of being an antagonist uh, and stepping up and being a bad guy. He's not a bad guy by any means, but, you know, he, he welcomed the opportunity to come in and play spoiler every time he had a chance to go up against Rutgers. All right, let's talk. We talked about a couple of games you lost. Let's talk about a couple you won. Later that season, after the headbutt, you go to, uh, you go to the Rock, and Seton Hall is playing for an NCAA tournament berth, 
and you guys beat him in OT. It's just a great basketball game. Jerome Seegers has a huge game. Hits a couple of big shots. What do you remember from that? Is that at Seton Hall or at Rutgers? Yeah, at Seton Hall. You beat him in overtime at yeah. the end of the season. Um, getting up to go play at Seton Hall was always a, a crazy thing because there couldn't be a, a bigger difference of actual facility when you go from a place that's a lot more intimate uh, as the rack compared to the Prudential Center. It's always cold in there. It's a lot bigger. Um, and uh, you have to go up there and really get yourself up. So I remember just having a crazy tough week of practice and just finding ways to go up there collectively and get a win. We had all the talent in the world. And I remember remember i think that was the game thou should not um lose to ruckers where the, the uh, towels <laughs> that was another game another the, game the rock. <laughs> oh that wasn't that, that wasn't the same one. Oh, another that, game that but you remember, you remember those towels you guys and you guys won that yeah. game too yeah i um i remember uh jerome was a guy that was such a streaky scorer that uh, once he got going uh it was the sky was the limit for him so um we had to come correct. We had a, a lot of really good outputs from different players that had to step up in that instance. But anytime you have a chance to play spoiler for Seton Hall, we weren't going to the tournament that year. But that was one thing that was echoed throughout our game plan and our scouting report. It was that we don't want these guys going to the tournament e either. So we definitely wanted to play hater that year and make sure that they weren't able to achieve it. And, and that's what, something that we were able to get done. All right, you mentioned the towel. I didn't. That wasn't even on my list. But now that you bring it up, thou shalt not lose to the Rutgers, the Thirteenth Commandment. That that was that was the year before. Did what did Mike Rice say about that towel? He must have gone nuts. <laughs> well, he was a, a sucker for Billboard material, man. So anything that <laughs> anything that he could utilize to get us up and going. Uh, he would use to his advantage. So whether that be quotes from opposing coaches or quotes from the opposing coaches, SIDs, <laughs> or their marketing team, utilizing thou shall not lose to Rutgers was enough to, to make us say enough and come out and try to focus in and get a win. And we walked away with a dub. But I remember walking into the arena and seeing those and was like, wow, this is nuts. Uh, they went to this extent to really show their disdain for us. And we were in the locker room collective, and it really helped us come together like, all right, what we got to do to get this dub? Let's get these guys out of here. I remember Jay Theo being on the opposite team. Um, he's a hell of a player, still making a, a, a ton of money. But even with the the type of caliber players they had on their side, uh, we still figured out a way. Dane Miller always showed up big in those Seton Hall games. Uh, he was the guy that made us go. Let's go into uh, the Big East tournament game. Uh, you you guys beat them at Madison Square Garden in overtime. Gilvitas Baruta gets ejected for throwing an elbow. Um you know, obviously, always passions flying. What was it like to to beat them on a stage like that? I've had some weird occurrences at MSG specifically. That's that St. John's game with Brownlee throwing the basketball. I know, separate subject, and then a crazy. That was crazy the next game. That was the seat. next game. Yeah, yeah, that was a game we lost, man. So we, I'm not going to get into that, but you know, I feel like we still got hosed that game. It is what it is. But the seat, <laughs> the seat in the hall game. Um, I mean, just take the rivalry and magnify it times 100. And you got dudes on 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 both sides of, of the court uh, with implications and primetime magnification. So playing under the lights, the lights just shine a bit brighter. And the whole Gilvitas ejection um, and having to be the next guy up to kind of fill that void and having good players around um, to be able to maintain the scoring output 
um, and, and be able to get it across the line. And then I think that was the game afterwards where even the, the pandemonium from what was transpiring on the court even went through to the press conference. And uh, Coach Willer and Coach Rice were still kind of up in air about what had going on on the court. And there were some different things that we could have done uh, to, to maybe even put ourselves in a better position. Obviously, whole Govitas' Gil, whole thing, that's something that you don't want to do as a player because, you you know, you put – you limit your team. So um, I remember the the conversations we had in the locker room um, at halftime from a readjustment standpoint and um, and having good senior leadership uh, as well uh, with the likes of, of some of the guys that were still around. Uh, we needed that, and, and that was a good win for us to be able to walk, a, a walk away from – going into night two where obviously everything happened with the, the whole St. John's debacle. All right. The last time, the last Big East game between Rutgers and Seton Hall, you played in it. It was at the Rock. You guys won. Uh, Fuquan, uh, Miles Max stripped Fuquan Edwin at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, you guys won the game. It was a close one. You know, they were always close. But um, – you, that left you up five to four on them in your career. And AJ, it's the last time Rutgers won at the Rock in this series. So, what do you yeah. do? You anything remember anything about that game? And could you believe it's been it's been eight years and counting? Yeah, I, I mean, I got a lot. So that was more personal for a lot of us because uh, we were. I was older in the series. I had basically grown and taken my lumps and bruises and a couple of victories as well up until that point. But more so importantly, I was uh, matching up with guys that I basically grew up with. I remember, I believe that was kind of the, the Gene Teague era, uh, the Brian Oliver era. That's right. Uh, those are guys that I've been competing against since high school. Brian Oliver was a player's kid, so um, we were very, very familiar with him. We played on the same AAU team. Fuquan was a player's kid, so we were very familiar with him. And Fuquan was just killing people. He was a, a hell of a player. Um, so we wanted to definitely win that one. Um, what's crazy about that is I have coworkers still to this day at Moody's that are Seton Hall proponents um, that remind me of the, the, the series difference and still talk crap. So, you know, even after all these years, it still holds a lot of weight for both fan bases. Um, you forgot to mention that back in 2013, or maybe I mentioned, I forgot to mention it. I was able to win that um, the Joe Calabrese MVP award. For yep. the, the home game at, at Rutgers. So the bragging rights will never go away. Um, and being able to say what the, the series difference was has no impact on what you did elsewhere in your college experience. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we walked up and we won more games than, than Seton Hall did in, in the series that mattered most. That's awesome. And I could tell you that I voted for you for the for the Joe Calabrese MVP that day. And I may have been the only person who voted. So, I bet you did. <laughs> some, some of these games, I'm like, they just asked me who the MVP is. But I know I voted for you. So I'll you were in it. Good for you. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Joe Calabrese was a great guy. All right. One or two more questions for you. Um, and this is really super stuff. And if there's anything else I forgot, of course, you could definitely throw it out there. But um, you know, you're, you're an alumni now. You have been. Uh, what's it like as an alum watching this series from afar? And what's it like having it back after a year off and the excitement of you being a part of it again in a way? Yeah, it's, um, it's really cool to see because it's kind of just something that is passed down um, via generation to generation of these new uh, Rutgers basketball programs and, and Seton, Seton Hall basketball programs for the players 
that are basically having to lean into the, the, the rich history of the rivalry in itself. And for Rutgers to have, you know, gone through, you know, maybe two or three coaches since I've been there, uh, to have Coach Peichel and his staff completely bought into this rivalry and the importance to the state of New Jersey is a beautiful thing in itself. Uh, and, and the cool thing to see is uh, Rutgers is in a, in a much different place from a positive right. standpoint, just overall as a program. So Seton Hall is doing its thing, um, has been for a long time. Rutgers is now in a place where, you know, they are really gaining the momentum from a notary, uh, notoriety standpoint on a national scale. So you're getting uh, different level players on both sides of the floor. And obviously there's going to be um, an output and that's going to be, uh, it's going to pay dividend on the basketball basketball court in regards to just the overall level of play. So I'm excited to see some of these guys match up. I know that they're going to get up for it and we got some cool stuff up our sleeve on our side of things for the rivalry um, to get the fans into it as well. Um, we talk about Paul Mokehi, Ron Harper Jr. Um, these guys are New Jersey through and through. So um, yep. I haven't had a chance to kind of bounce uh, how they feel about this game because obviously we're worrying about Illinois tonight. Um, right. But once that week comes around, I can imagine that they're going to be chopping at the bit to come out here and, and find a way to get a victory for the Scarlet Knights. All right, last thing, and I, I do want to mention that Steve Peichel has really brought this rivalry back in a lot of ways. Like he's he's won uh, games at the, you know at the at the at the rack. He's basically owned Seton Hall at the rack, uh, and also you know the impasse as to whether they were going to have this game or not. He broke the impasse, so you got to give him a lot of credit there in a lot of ways. He's he's meant a lot to this rivalry in the time he's been the coach. Now, last question for you: You and I are panelists in a Rutgers Seton Hall inaugural banquet on a, on a December 10th, Friday, uh, two days before the game in Nutley. And uh, what, what's it, what does it mean to you to, to be part of that banquet? And uh, you know, how much fun is this going to be to sort of see some of the, some of the classic players and relive this with the fans? Yeah, it's uh it means a lot. Um, it was an honor to be asked and requested. I mean, I'm a very realistic person with who I am and what I was as a basketball player. I mean, I was serviceable. I mean, I had a, a hell of a experience at Rutgers and I love the university, but um, just to be quite frank and honest, um, it, we just didn't win a lot of games ultimately. So the magnification of the Seton Hall rivalry, it, re it really meant even more to us overall to be able to be in something that meant so much to so many people. Um, so to, to give it the, the due uh, that it deserves and how much it means. It's really cool to see. And then be up on to be up on stage with the likes of Phil Seller, Quincy Doobie, and Miles right. Mack. You're talking about Rutgers basketball royalty. So if you're an RU fan or a Seton Hall fan, and I know that they're coming with their 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 Seton Hall royalty as well. There's no better place to be if you're subscribing to this rivalry. Um, to hear the actual input from these guys that are the movers and shakers. Uh, for both programs, it's going to be a special thing to watch and experience. And I'm just fortunate to be back a part of the, the program um, at such a really good time uh, and a, an exciting time. Um, and I'm really excited to see the byproduct of this rivalry continue uh, later in, in, in a couple of weeks in December. So well said from one of the voices of Rutgers basketball, Austin Johnson, AJ, thanks for joining us. And I will see you twice next week at the banquet. And then at The Rock. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you, Jerry. See you soon. 
Jerry, another great interview there. He sounds like he could still suit up and get out there and play. You could tell he misses being on the floor for this rivalry. Yeah, I mean, AJ was there for some of the wildest moments, and I, I had to ask him about a couple of those crazy stories, the below-the-belt punches that we always heard whispers <laughs> about. It's nice to finally get that out in the open, but hey, those are the moments that great rivalries are made of. Great to hear from both of them. Our thanks again to Michael and Austin for joining the show. And Jerry, like they said, too, a nice banquet uh, uh, taking place to help get everyone excited and get everyone ready for this rivalry game. Yeah, when people say, uh, you know, this game isn't the most important game, this rivalry is bigger, that rivalry is bigger. Well, what other rivalry has a banquet? You know, there's been a banquet launched. There's a trophy made out of boardwalk planks. I mean, these things don't exist with other games. This is the game as far as you know, juice and passions and like meaning to alumni and locals and, and ex-players as we're going to see it all unfold this week. It absolutely is is a big rivalry. And for people maybe outside of the state that don't realize it, uh, it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. If you're just a college basketball fan, because it is fierce, it is intense, and it, it means a lot to the people here in the state. So having said all that, let's do a little bit of a preview. We're not going to get into exact specifics for, for scores and things like that, because so much could rely on the two games happening before this rivalry match that I mentioned. Rutgers, oh, you know, ho-hum, they're only playing the number one team in the country. Seton Hall will have their hands full with Texas, who's ranked seventh. So, Jerry, so much of the game on Sunday could could have to do with what happens in these two games leading into it. If you get a big emotional win, do you ride that momentum? Do you have a letdown? If you get blown out or if you lose a heartbreaker, how does that affect the game Sunday? So much can happen as we head into this rivalry game. It's a great question, and we've seen the peaks and valleys of seasons in the past. You definitely want to play well going into this game. There is something to be said for crashing after an emotional win. You just have to see how it plays out. But for right now, the task in front of Seton Hall is, you know, Texas, a seventh-ranked team loaded with talent. Texas hasn't really been tested. Yeah, they they played one big-time game that they lost. But the, other than that, they haven't played anybody. They haven't beaten anybody. So, so I think this is going to be a big test for Texas. Seton Hall is going to have a packed house or close to it. And Seton Hall, you know, a little bit of an underdog, but but definitely a winnable game. And if they win this game, you know, and they and they capitalize on that and beat Rutgers, they're going to be off to the races. Their NCAA tournament resume is going to be off the charts. This is such a huge week for the Pirates. Chris, how about you? What are you looking forward to this week? Uh, as we said, a tough one for Rutgers as we head into this emotional rivalry game on Sunday. Yeah, there's no question about it. And and I think, obviously, you know, going up against Purdue, it's going to be really tough. There's a reason why Purdue is number one in the country. I mean, you watch them play, and they are really, really good in all phases, in all facets. Um, so, I, listen, I mean, I, I think that Rutgers will be up for the challenge on Sunday against Seton Hall. I think that the, the emotions of this game, the rivalry – but, you know, certainly there's there's things working against it. I mean, Geo Baker's out indefinitely with an injury. We don't know what his status is or when he'll be back. So that's something certainly that's going to hurt them. Uh, but this is a game where I think you really want to see Ron Harper play like a star. You know, he really needs to step up. And then he needs people around him, too, to help, especially with Geo out. You know, who's going to step up? Who's going to help fill that void and, and kind of help to get this team back on track? This is a big opportunity. You're going up against a rival at the Rock. Big crowd's going to be on hand. You know, go in there and make some noise and, and trying to show that, you know, your season is has gotten off to a rough start, but you're not dead yet. So, you know, this is a big opportunity for them. And I'm very interested to see how they how they play, especially coming off this game against Purdue, which certainly is going to be a challenge. But again, I think Ron Harper Jr., he played really, really well against Clemson. They need that version of him again on Sunday against Seton Hall. And Steve, how about you? What are you looking forward to most this week for these two uh, these two opponents? 
You know, I think what is so intriguing right now coming into this game are the two coaches. Um, I mean, you look at what Kevin Willard has done with some new pieces, with some old pieces, putting them together. And this might be one of his best jobs ever with this Seton Hall team. We'll see how it all plays out. But certainly the early indications are that Kevin Willard has done a great job right here. You know, and then you look across at Steve Peichel and – He's got his work cut out for him now. I'm curious to see see the coaches in this game, and I think that's a big part of the storyline here. Yeah, we're all looking forward to Sunday. It's going to be a great game. Sunday, 7.30 at the Rock, Rutgers, Seton Hall. This was, as I said, a special edition episode of Jersey Jump Shot. We had the two interviews. Again, thanks to Michael and Austin for joining the show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Uh, we will be coming to you every week, as I said, starting January 3rd. That's Monday. So every Monday throughout the rest of the college basketball season, we'll be coming to you starting January 3rd. Third. So if you love college basketball, if you love the teams that play in the state of New Jersey, if you want to get some nice interviews and some uh, surprises that we have planned for you throughout the show, be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe because we'll be doing it the rest of the season. Of course, plenty to read as well from Jerry, Chris, and Steve across the USA Today Network. Be sure to follow them at app.com and at northjersey.com for all things Rutgers, Seton Hall, Monmouth, Princeton, and Whoever might be making some noise on the college basketball scene in the state of New Jersey. Thank you so much for listening to our launch show for Jersey Jump Shot Season 3. As I said, we'll be back January 3rd. For Chris, for Steve, for Jerry, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.